Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
I serve a risen Savior, is in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to import. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing was Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to implore. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives with me. So Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujah to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find Him. another is so loving, so good. All right, sing it. Here we go. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to
the forces of evil all the demons and all the devils of hell and on the other the angels of glory and they meet 
on Calgotha's hill. The earth shakes with the force of the conflict. The sun, it refuses to shine. For there hangs God's sign in the balance. And then through the darkness he cries. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. Yet. still raging not all prisoners of war had come home these were battlefields of my own making I didn't know that the war had been won the king of the ages had fought all life's battles for me and that victory victory was mine for the claiming and now praise his name special to me from camp and some of our students love this song it's called rest and it comes from psalm 23 oh my lord you are my shepherd and i shall not want 
I'd still watch you repair my heart I trust in you Oh, I trust in you Even though I walk through the valley of death you restore my soul and you give me rest Oh, the memories of your faithfulness You restore my soul and you give me rest You restore my soul and you give me rest You give me prepared a table for you and me oh my lord in the middle of a fire with my enemies i trust in you oh i trust in you even though I walk through the valley of death You restore my soul and you give me rest Oh, the memories of your faithfulness You restore my soul and you give me rest You restore my soul and you give me rest Give me rest. I will fear no evil, for you are here with me. Your goodness and your love, they will never leave. Just a closer walk with thee, just a closer walk. Just a closer walk with thee, just a closer walk. Even though I walk through the valley of death, you restore my soul and you give me rest. Oh, the memories of your faithfulness. You restore my soul and you give me rest You restore my soul and you give me rest You give me Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, 
during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. For that special music. And uh, it has been a good week. We praise the Lord for the opportunities that we as a church family have had uh, to do ministry. And we're excited about uh, on a Sunday morning coming together uh, for the purpose of worship. And now as we study God's word together, uh, we pray that God would, would share with us what he would have us to hear. Uh, turn with me as we continue through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And this morning we're just going to begin in this chapter uh, by looking at verse 1. So that shouldn't take us more than an hour. It won't be that long. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for the opportunity once again to spend time in your word. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship as we were able to lift up our hearts and our voices to you and, and just to be reminded of how great you are and what you have done to rescue us from our sin and to make us your children. And now, as we t- think about what it means to be your prisoner, Lord, help us to recognize that when we recognize who's in control, who, who holds the keys, Lord, that it changes everything. And so, Lord, I know that there are some folks here today that, that are struggling. I pray this would be a word of encouragement for them. Lord, there's some folks here today that are lost, and they need to be saved. Some are young, some are old. Uh, Lord, help them to hear and help them to recognize you're speaking to them today. And in all that you do, we'll give you honor and glory and praise. I know I'm a weak vessel. I'm behind the cross that only you be seen and heard. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Paul's letter to the Ephesian church here is, is a true blessing. In this letter, we learn about who we are and all that we have as a result of God's amazing grace. We have discovered already the truth that grace is the reason that we're saved in the first place. It's, it's not because we had something to offer to God. It's because God loved us and chose to shower his grace down upon us. We've learned about how lost we really were before the Lord came for us and delivered us from the bondage and the deadness of our sin. And we've learned that in Jesus that we are brought near to God. We have learned here that through Jesus we are in his kingdom. We are members of his family. We are stones in that living temple of God. And for me, this journey to this place already has been a a source of joy. It's been a challenge, but it's also been a blessing. And I hope that you can say the same as we've journeyed through uh, this letter to the Ephesians. As Paul opens this chapter, chapter 3, he begins with the intention of praying for the Ephesian church. And he makes the opening statement that we'll see here in verse 1. And then for the next 13 verses, we're going to see that Paul actually delays his prayer as he continues to talk about the divine mystery of the body of Christ. Uh, He actually doesn't begin praying until verse 14. But we'll look at that teaching in in these verses over the next few weeks. But this morning, I want to focus on Paul's statement here. Simply in in chapter 3, verse 1. In that verse, Paul reveals his identity as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And in that small but powerful verse, Paul gives us some insight into life that I don't want us to miss this morning. I want to share with you these insights into being a prisoner that only helped to transform Paul's time in prison into a time of ministry, but that also served to transform his life. For the glory of God. 
The insights given here have the potential, I believe, this morning to do the same for us. So Paul says here in Ephesians 3, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, the Gentiles. First thing I want you to see is the context of his imprisonment. The context of his imprisonment. Verse 1 identifies Paul as a prisoner. The word refers to one who is held in bonds. By the time Paul wrote the book to the Ephesians, he had been in prison already five years. And so he was originally arrested, we remember, by the Jews and charged with taking a Gentile companion into the, into the forbidden area of the temple in Jerusalem. We saw that in Acts chapter 21. Paul didn't actually do that, but the Jews believed that he had done that, and so they tried to kill him. But he came under the protection of the Roman soldiers, and so the Jews wanted Paul dead. The Romans were obligated to protect him since he was a Roman citizen, and there was no proof of his guilt. And so eventually we see here that Paul was sent to Caesarea, where he spent two years in prison there. And while there, Paul was examined by the Jewish Sanhedrin, by the Roman governors Felix and Festus, and before King Agrippa. And if Paul had simply stopped there, if he had not appealed to Caesar, Agrippa would have released him because there was no reason to keep him. However, since Paul appealed his case to Caesar, he had to be sent to Caesar. And so he was sent there by ship to Rome. The voyage took nearly a year to complete, and when Paul arrived in Rome, he remained under house arrest again for the next two years. Paul lived in a rented house, and in that house, he was free to, to move about during the day, but at night, he would have been chained to one of those Roman soldiers to, forget, to prevent him from escaping. And we know that while chained to those soldiers, that many of them became believers, because what did Paul do? He was always sharing the gospel. Paul's life, though, was, was not one of luxury. He was a prisoner, and his circumstances reflected that fact. This is just a reminder, though, to us that life doesn't always go the way that we planned it. And some of you are saying, you know, Brother Brad, that might be the understatement of the year there. That life does not always go as we planned it. I'm sure that Paul never thought that he would end up in prison. I don't plan on ending up in prison. And as your pastor, I'm sure you're probably glad about that. Um, but you know what? The way the world is going, I'm not going to stop preaching and I very well may one day end up in prison for it. Paul didn't think that would happen, but it did. Here he is in prison because he dared to preach Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected from the dead. Paul's ministry did not play out the way that he thought it would, but it played out exactly the way that God planned for it to. See, life isn't always what we plan. The path of life never takes us where we think it will. Most things in life never go just as we planned that they would. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's a vacation or a hobby, there are always changes to plans that we scripted in our minds. A year or so ago, we planned on going on a little uh, getaway with the kids to uh, Gulf Shores. And guess what happened the day we were getting ready to leave? A hurricane wiped it out and we couldn't go. We didn't plan that, but it happened. The way that jobs fall, the things that happen in our family, sicknesses come, those things happen. What if everything in your life turned out the way you planned it, though? Think about that. What if everything in your life had turned out exactly the way that you had originally planned it? 
Would you agree with me this morning that if left to our own course of life, that we'd be in big trouble? We don't, we're not very good at planning. God has a much better plan. The fact is, we really know what is best for our lives. Why is that? It's because we lack the information to make good choices. We can't see very far down the road. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. I don't. You don't have any guarantees what's going to happen in the next five minutes, much, much less the next year or five years down the road. We just don't have that kind of information. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen, and so we just don't know how to make the plans because we have faulty information. So as we'll see, God had Paul right where he wanted him. God put him in prison so that he might expand his ministry. How do you expand your ministry chained to a Roman guard? Well, Paul was able to do it because God had a plan. God put him in prison for that very reason. That sounds strange to our ears, and it is strange, but it's still the truth, and it's still the way that God works today. If you're saved, if you belong to the Lord, you are under his direction He determines the path of your life and where it will lead you. Solomon said this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know that the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And so Brinesburg, regardless of of where you find yourself in life. We must come to the place where we are confident of his sovereign leadership and direction in our life. Otherwise, we will never have peace and joy as we walk in this world. But secondly, I want you to see the cause of his imprisonment. The cause of his imprisonment. Paul said, for this cause I, Paul, for you Gentiles. Paul wants his readers to know that he is where he is for their sake. God had taken this strong prejudiced, powerful Jewish man. And God saved him by his amazing grace and he sent him out to take the gospel to the very people that he would once have never talked to, the Gentiles. Isn't God amazing? And doesn't God have a sense of humor? I would never have thought when I was in high school playing football for Callaway County High School that I would ever minister in Marshall County. You folks were the enemy. (laughs) but God has a sense of humor. And God sent Paul to the Gentiles. This this man who had hated them, he sends to them. And the Jews hated Paul for this. They saw him as a traitor to God, to the law, to the birthright, and to God. They, They wanted him dead. Thus they did everything in their power to rid themselves of him and his preaching. When Paul was arrested and carted off, first to Caesarea and then to Rome, the Jews probably assumed that they were finished forever with with Paul. But they probably believed that they had finally silenced this troublesome preacher. They might have stopped Paul from traveling around the world preaching, but their hatred against Paul had actually a very surprising effect. You see, because he was locked up in prison, Paul had a lot of extra time on his hands now. And so he used that extra time to do what? to write a majority of the New Testament. God said, okay, now I'm going to do something even greater in your life through imprisonment. You see, he used the time that he had to tell other people about Jesus Christ as well. And some of those were in Caesar's household. Like I said, I believe many of those were those guards. 
folks that were, 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 were chained to Paul. If you got a guy like Paul preaching Jesus in your ear every single night, you don't think you're going to get saved? God used Paul even in his chains. There in Philippians 4.22 it says, All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Is that not an amazing thing? That's how God got the gospel into Caesar's household. It's through Paul's imprisonment. And so while we don't possess a large body of Paul's preaching, we do possess an astonishing wealth of theology that came from the pen of this amazing man. God said, I've got some words that I want you to write down. And Paul said, I've got the time to do it. Let's write. And so we have the letters that Paul wrote. We see here that the Jews unwittingly helped place Paul in a position where the Lord could speak through him to all the churches. And we are still benefiting, even today, sitting here in Brinesburg, Kentucky, from their failure to be able to silence Paul. God used Paul to lay an incredibly important foundation for the church. You see, God actually used Paul's imprisonment to expand his ministry. If Paul had been, had Paul had been free, what would Paul have done? Paul would have done what he was doing up until this point. He would have gone from place to place preaching and praise the Lord. He would have continued a missionary ministry. But we wouldn't know very much about Paul then. We know what we know about Paul because of his writings. He would have been footnote in Christian history if it had not been for his time of imprisonment and his being able to write so much theological truth for us to understand today. It ends up that he was exactly where God wanted him to be. Even in Paul's day, he wasn't considered a very powerful preacher. Paul wrote this following his time in the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. For this letter, say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. People said, Paul, you're not much. we love your writing. You're not much of a speaker, though, man. We don't really enjoy your preaching. We wouldn't have you in for revival, man. We don't enjoy that. But you can write all you want. And so that's how God used him. The ministry of Paul might have been no more than a footnote had it not been for God putting him in chains. Paul suffered and we're still benefiting from the sacrifice that he made for the Lord. And this is just a reminder that nothing derails God's plan. He accomplishes his purpose in spite of the sins and the opposition of his enemies. And I praise him for that. And I hope that you do as well this morning. I'm not going to, to stop him, and you're not going to stop him. Those who oppose the church are not going to stop him. Our enemies will never, ever be able to even slow him down because he is the Lord, and he is in charge of all things at all times, no matter how it may appear to us. His will will be accomplished. God has us where he wants us. And we're there to bring him the most glory. And it's there that you will be prepared for the assignment that he has for you down the road. And it is there that you will be shaped into the image of Jesus. And it's there that you will grow and be developed and shaped for his glory. He has you right where he wants you today. And it may not be a comfortable place. It may feel like prison and change, but he's got you where he wants you. The best thing you can ever do is to learn to grow where you're planted and to become all God has saved you to be where you are. But also we see, thirdly, the controller of his imprisonment. 
And this is really, this is really where things get good. If you're in a day of heartbreak and sorrow, if you're in a day of turmoil, this is where it gets good. The Jews had arrested Paul, but they did not see him. And we see here the Jews had arrested Paul, but he did not see himself here as a prisoner to the Romans. That's not how Paul viewed himself here. They charged him with blasphemy. They wanted him killed. He had been detained for his own protection and sent to Rome at his own request by the Romans, but he did not see himself as their prisoner either. He was waiting to appear before Caesar to face examination by the most powerful man in the known world, and he did not consider himself to be Caesar's prisoner either. And that's important. See, Paul says that he's a prisoner of who? Did he say he was a prisoner of Nero? Did he say he was a prisoner of the Jews? Who is he a prisoner of? It's one verse, guys, to look it up. Christ, that's right. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not of any other man, but of Jesus Christ. Paul saw himself as a man who lived under the sovereign control of God. He saw all events of his life, the good, the bad, as being part of God's divine plan. He knew that the Romans could not hold him, the Jews could not stone him, that Caesar could not execute him unless it was part of God's plan for his life. Paul saw himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that phrase suggests the idea that Paul saw Jesus Christ as the ultimate cause of his imprisonment. Yes, Paul said, Jesus is the reason I'm in chains. Jesus is the reason I've lost my freedom. And praise the name of Jesus. Because I'm right where he wants me. And I'm being used in the most powerful way possible. And so we see here that he knew that unless God ordained it, that he would never have been there in the first place. And so God must have a mighty plan for it. The Romans may have kept him chained, but Paul was bound by Christ. The very fact that Jesus had redeemed him from the deadness of his sins and given him new life was for this cause, that he would be used in a powerful way. That generations would come to know Jesus because of his teaching. Paul was the prisoner of Jesus Christ, bound to him forever, regardless of where the Lord might lead him or cause, him, cause to happen in his life. Paul was the prisoner of Jesus and Paul's perspective regarding his trials served to help his faith grow. You see, if Paul had, had come to the place where he thought that the Jews or the Romans or even Caesar himself was in control, he would have given up and he would have fallen into discouragement and despair. If he thought that his life was being wasted because he thought, I'm supposed to be a missionary and I'm supposed to be preaching to those people in all of those different villages and here I am stuck in prison. God, how could you do this to me? If that had been his attitude, nothing would have been accomplished for Christ. But we see here that because Paul knew that everything he faced was part of God's plan, he rejoiced even in the trials. Perspective, Brinesburg, perspective is everything. And if we begin to understand that we don't live in a happenstance world, that God is in control. Even though it looks chaotic, God knows what he's doing. 
and we begin to understand that we may be in a very uncomfortable place, but it's because of God putting us there. Things change when our perspective changes. How you view the events of life are really more important than the events themselves. When we begin to understand God is in it. See, we are taught in the Bible to walk by faith and not by sight. We're taught by God to work, that he works all things together for our good and to his glory to them that love him. We're taught that we should rejoice in our trials because they help us to grow in the Lord. We see the example of Paul and Silas there in prison. They didn't moan and, and cry because they were in prison. No, what did they do? They rejoiced and they praised God through song. It was their perspective that changed everything. We lose sight of God's power to control all of life. And when we do that, we are discouraged and we quit on God. And some of us may be at that place right now. And we're saying, God, what you have me going through is not fair. And I don't like it. And I'm going to give up. Guess what? God says, I can't use that attitude. But if you recognize I'm putting you through the fire because I'm refining you. It changes everything. Who is your warden today? Who holds the keys? Are you a prisoner of your circumstances? Or are you a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ being used by him in a powerful way, perhaps even in chains? Paul saw himself as being under the direct sovereign power of God himself under his control. He understood the truth that the Lord was the master of all the paths of his life. Paul understood that the Lord was working in his life. Paul understood that the Lord was working to accomplish the things that brought God the most glory. And if you're a prisoner of the circumstances of your life, then you're going to be a miserable person because life is hard. And most of the time, it's not a lot of fun because it's not easy. But guess what? If you allow the actions of other people to cause you problems... They will always steal your joy because other people are, you know what, mean. You ever notice that? There's a lot of mean people, aren't there? There's a lot of people that that like to hurt us. And so if we think that people are the ones that are going to bring us joy, we're going to be miserable. But if you allow the setbacks and the problems and the trials, the tribulations, the many other distractions and disturbances of life, they can cause us to forget that we were really being led by an unseen hand of Almighty God. If that's what happens in your life, you're going to have a hard time. If you never can view that God has a plan, if you never can understand that God has a purpose, even in the hard times. However, if you plan to to comprehend the truth that, that all of life, including every good and bad day, every mountain and every valley, every success and every failure, every blessing and every burden, every moment of peace and every moment of pain, all work all work together for God's glory, they're all part of the work of God in your life, then you can experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. Our lives are not the product of chance. They're not the product of luck. They're not the product of karma or accidents. They're the product of the loving God, a loving, sovereign God who is in control, who controls all of life for his glory and for our good. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yea, 
I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Church, our duty, even when we can't comprehend the burdens and the problems of this life, is for us to bow before the Lord in humble acceptance of the path that he has chosen for us. Because anything less is a recipe for disaster in our lives. But to do so brings both peace and ultimate blessing in the Lord's timing. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5-7, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We must remember that he is the potter, and we are the clay. As I said, perspective is really everything. There's a famous story of the days when Sir Christopher Wren was building St. Peter's or St. Paul's uh, Cathedral. And on one occasion, he was walking on a tour of the work and the progress, and he came upon a man who was working there, and he asked him, what are you doing? And the man said, I'm cutting this stone to a certain size and to a certain shape. And he came to a second man, and he asked him what he was doing. And that man answered, I'm earning so much money at my work. And then he came to a third man at work, and he asked that third man the exact same question. What are you doing? That man, when he heard the question, paused a moment, stood up, straightened himself, and he said to him, I am helping Sir Christopher Wren build St. Paul's Cathedral. You see, that man understood that God had a purpose. If a man is in prison for some great cause, he may either grumbling regard himself as an ill-used creature, or he may radiantly regard himself as the standard bearer for some great cause. The, the one regards his prison as, as penance, the other regards it as a privilege. See, when we're undergoing hardship, unpopularity, material loss for the sake of Christian principles, we may either regard ourselves as the victim of men or as the champion of Christ. Paul is our example. He regarded himself not as the prisoner of Nero, not as the prisoner of Rome, but he understood that he was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brownsburg, many of you are hurting today. And as your pastor, I know that. But you know what? God has a plan. God is not wasting an ounce of that pain. God has a plan, and he is using it for your good and for his glory. And you say, well, exactly how is that? I don't have all the answers to that. I don't even know exactly what the future is going to bring and how God's going to use that to help you have a ministry that, that blesses others or how he's going to bless you in it or, or any other part of that. But I know that God is in control. And I know that all of us are his if we have a relationship with him, that we are not our own. And so maybe this morning we just need to come to this altar and we need to say, God, I don't like what I'm going through, but Lord, I recognize that you're in control. And I want to give it over to you. And I, want to, and I want to give it over to you in such a way that you can use whatever this is that I'm going through for your honor and glory and for my good. But some of us this morning, we know we were lost. And we don't yet have that relationship with Christ. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to repent of our sin. Meaning we need to turn away from our sin. And we need to run to Christ. 
recognizing that his grace is the only thing that will save us. And by faith, accept him. Some of you need to do that this morning. Some of us need to join this church family, recognizing that God wants to use us here. How does God, how does God want to use his word in your life today? What has he spoken to you about? If he's spoken in any way, respond to him. Move if God has moved you. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we thank you for this reminder from a man named Paul who was your prisoner. Lord, that even when life is hard, even when life seems unfair, that, Lord, you're in control. And, Lord, that you have a plan for our life, for the good, for the bad, for the difficult, and for the day of leisure. Lord, you have a plan. And so, Lord, for so many today, they're smack dab in the middle of the storm. Help them to recognize that you are right there with them. That, Lord, they don't have to seek your presence, that your presence is already there because you dwell within them, and that you're going to bring them through. So, Lord, today I I just ask that you would bring some folks to a place of understanding that they're not alone. That, Lord, you've got this. It's not too big for you. Some folks need to come into relationship with you. Some folks need to join this church family. Others just, they have an issue that they're facing, and and I couldn't mention it if I was stood here for an hour. But you know what it is. And so, Lord, right now, I just want to get out of the way. And you do the work that only you can do in our hearts and our lives and help us to be obedient as you speak. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening and may God bless you and your family.